All right, we now welcome on a four-time PST Series champion to PST Weekly, uh, our second edition. Um, four-time PST champion, 31 career wins with the Patriot Sprint Tour, uh, Brian Holland. Brian, uh, thanks for joining us this evening. No problem. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you know, you kind of been not really racing with us the last couple of years, though. How has life been, though, the last couple of years, kind of post your racing career? It's, it's been busy. It's been plenty busy. I got the, the family here that's keeping me busy. I got two boys that, uh, honestly, uh, my oldest just broke his collarbone, and my youngest just split his head open today. So oh. life is fun with boys. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> – I can imagine, you know, and you know, it's obviously a huge adjustment because you were a guy though that you, we saw you at every PST race, you know, for the last, you know, went since inception up till now. And then, you know, it was, you know, you kind of had that farewell tour and then you did about five or six races, you know, after that. And then, you know, you kind of, that was the end of it. You know, we haven't seen you behind the wheel since then. And, you know, I got to imagine though, I mean, yes, you have two boys and, but the lifestyle change though, it's been pretty incredible and pretty drastic. It has. Um, I mean, you know, it's really been kind of a breath of fresh air um, as far as workload. I, I miss being behind the wheel. Um, but as far as actually all the hours that go into it after work and gone on the weekends and stuff, you know, it's, it's nice to spend the time with the family. Um, but it's still, you know, I'm busy. I'm just busy in other ways. Yeah. Uh, one thing I definitely want to go over, Brian, is that you've had a pretty extensive and exciting career, you know, dating back way before even 360 sprint car racing, you know, how did you get into racing? And then how did you get to, you know, where you are, though, being one of the most successful 360 sprint car drivers in our in our region? Uh, well, my uh, my father raced four wheelers uh, way back. I was really young and uh, he had a pretty, pretty nasty crash and decided, you know, I'm not going to race four-wheelers anymore. I'm going to race at a Swego and race in a roll cage. So he raced uh, what at the time was a limited super modified, small block supers. Um, race three years or so. And then I uh, just, I was out in the garage with him and I had the passion for it. So um, instead of funding his career, he sold all his stuff. And when I was nine, I started in a quarter midget at the Syracuse Fairgrounds. Ran that for a few years, won some races, moved up to a slingshot um, for one year, and then moved into the mini sprints from there. And then yeah, the, and, that, and then after the mini sprints, though, you got right into 360s, though. Yeah, yeah. Mini sprints with uh, CNYMS with Mike Emhoff. Um, I think that was like three years. And then 2004 was my first full season with the, the Patriot with 360. Right. You know, and just – Talk about your career, though, racing with the Patriots. You know, your first year, you win Rookie of the Year, and then it was the very next season, though, you were a PST champion. You know, uh, you progressed quite quickly, you know, and, you know, to, to see that, you know, especially the way things have been then versus now, though, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, I had a lot of good people around me, um, especially, you know, named the one, my father. He's, uh, you know, when he sinks his teeth into something, he goes full bore, so – there was no easing into 360 racing. It was, uh, you know, here's the best that I can afford for you. This is, you know, we, the homework that he did and we did together. The, the hours in the shop are second to none. Um, and then I had a fantastic crew, very 
uh, very talented crew, very knowledgeable crew. And, uh, you know, we all, we all meshed really well. So I was surrounded by a good group of guys that gave me great equipment all the time. And, uh, you know, we just took it from there. You know, and, you know, I'm sure you can agree with this though, but one of the main things of kind of being successful on a tour is, you know, finishing races and you were kind of notorious and you and your dad, you know, you see a lot of racers, you know, something always happened to them. And quite honestly, you guys, you guys for a long time were kind of on the lucky end of that stick though, where you guys didn't really have a lot of DNS. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, any racer will tell you that attests to the hours that are spent in the race shop as far as breakdowns. Um, you know, you can't, can't expect to win championships and win races if you really don't know if your equipment's gonna last you know and uh, that's hours and hours every single day in the race shop after work and uh, you know some people they can get it done real quick and you know go on with their lives but that was our life for years that was what we did and uh, you know I'm sure my wife would tell you that that was a huge drain on her but uh until I had kids, that was my life was, was racing and working on race cars and getting ready for that next weekend. And so, you know, the breakdowns didn't happen. And as far as just wrecking stuff, I mean, that happens everywhere, but, um, I, you know, some people put themselves in bad situations more than others. So I think I kind of, I was a little bit easier on equipment as far as the driver's concerned. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially one track, though, where I first started senior race was, you know, my home track, Woodhall. And between you and, you know, Chuck Hebing and George Suprick, no one really had as much success as you three, though. While you see a lot of other drivers that go there and they, they struggle and they struggle really hard, though. What was it about, you know, a track that was so different like Woodhall compared to every other track, though, in the Northeast, though, that you were able to perform so well at? Uh, Woodhall is a, that's a driver's track. I mean, it, you know, you have to really be, uh, you have to be good with your setup, but, uh, you have to make the car. There's not enough speed there for a wing to really do a whole lot for you. And understanding that you have to, as a driver, make the car do what you want it to do. You really have to kind of beat it up. That's one of the most aggressive tracks that you have to drive as a, as a race car driver. Um, just to make the car do what you want it to do and entering the corner without any wing speed you don't carry any speed off the corner so you really have to drive hard i know i had a conversation with uh, sammy reeks one time and uh, he asked me the same thing he's like how do you how do you drive this track how do you do it and uh, i just told him just beat it just beat your car drive it as hard as you can and when you think you need to lift for the corner don't lift yet. <laughs> yeah and then spike your brake, turn it, and go the other way. And uh, he actually he had one of his better races after that. So he said he agreed. You know, you really got to beat it up. Yeah. How do you? You know how? You know, especially you know, going back to the preparation throughout the week, though. How do you compare? How do you prepare for a, a track like Woodhall, but then we go on a huge half mile like Canadagua? You know, how do you? I guess prepare yourself. You know, throughout the to the week though, what kind of advice would you give to, you know, drivers who are racing now? Well, it's, you know, every week's a new week. That's the beauty of sprint car racing. You don't have one local track. So you have to be that versatile driver. You have to be ready for anything. And, um, you know, with hours in the shop, you're going to be 
changing the car around, obviously. And as far as attacking a track as a driver, you have to know what you're coming up against. You got to know that, you know, you go to Woodhall, you don't have any wing speed to make the car stick. You go to Canandaigua, you have all kinds of wing speed to make the car do what you want it to do. So you have to set it up differently. You have to drive it differently. And, uh, you know, that's just something that you, you know over, over a period of time, you know what you can do and what you can't do. Is there a track that you wish you've been to a couple times and you wish you kind of did figure it out, you know, because there weren't very few that you didn't figure out. Is there a track that comes to mind, though, that you – and I was like, man, why can't I figure out this racetrack? Yeah. Uh, two, well, I know two of them that were on my bucket list of winning and I never did was Wheat Sport and mostly Utica Rome just because I've been there so many times. I've had some good races there, but I've had a lot of bad races there. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, that place is tricky, and I wish – I wish that I rung the bell before I hung up my hat, but some things just don't work out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you were also one of those guys, though, that you did do a lot of traveling as well. I mean, I know you went out to the 360 Nationals out in Knoxville. You know, kind of describe, you know, because I've always, you know, the competition here in the Northeast is always stiff and always has been. But, you know, you go out to Knoxville, though, and you race against those ASCS guys, though, kind of define, you know, you know, some differences that you kind of saw out there compared to what you kind of see back home? I think the biggest difference, there's a lot of guys out there that don't have that same care. Like they don't have to go to work on Monday and then work on the car after work. You know, they just go there and really checkers or wreckers type of attitude where the guys in the Northeast, I think, have a lot more respect. They, uh, you know, they race hard, but they race clean. You go out other places and they race hard. And if there's contact, there's contact. Sorry, Robin's racing type of thing. Right. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, that's not everybody. You know, there's a lot of people that are just, just flat out good. Right. And when you race as much as those ASCS guys do, there is, it's very, very difficult to compete. Um, but there's also some guys that are just a little bit too rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's why, you know, I, I always said though, you know, our, the 360 racing community here in the Northeast, you know, it's, it's every between both series, not just the Patriot sprint tour. We're also on the ESS side though. It's a very family friendly atmosphere though. Do you think though that definitely attributes to that because, you know, we all have, you know, Monday to Friday jobs and then this is kind of our relaxer to breather, you know, on the weekends. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big family. The 360 tour organization here in the Northeast is a huge, one huge family. Um, and you know, you're splitting it between two organizations, but it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, everybody here is, seems to be pretty much friends. Um, you know, and you you can see that if somebody comes into the pit and has to go to the work area, you know, it's not just their crew. And you see that on the Outlaw Tour, to be honest with you, as well. Yeah you see multiple crews going to help one car and it's, you know, it's awesome to see. I don't know if you would see that anywhere else. Um, you know, I, I, locally, I don't think you would see that in a dirt modified. I mean, maybe you do, I don't know, but I doesn't, it doesn't seem to have that family oriented um, community type of feel to it. So it's, it's nice here. Um, and then obviously you have this stiff competition. So it really makes it fun to race with friends that aren't out to get you and then when the the race is done you can take off your helmet and go have a beer with somebody and it's 
talk about it and say, hey, you know, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, this is kind of a loaded question, though, and there's probably a lot of answers to this, though. But, but was there a driver, though, that, you know, you, you know, it's like, man, you know, he, he always so fun to race with, though. And, like, I know there's been a, quite a few, but, you know, talk about, you know, who have you kind of either, I guess, maybe looked up to or became really close with, close with in the sport, though, that, you know, you, you know, you, you still have gained that respect. A lot. There's a lot to name. Um, I've had a lot of friends over the years, and I tell you, I mean, everybody, I think everybody's going to tell you, you know, they look up to Chuck Heaving, they look up to Steve Poirier, they look up to Jason Barney, you know, there's so many. Stuart Friesen, when he was racing for Doug Emery, it's like, uh, you know, everybody looks up to the people that are on top. Um, you know, I've been very close with Sammy Reeks and, you know, the Zimbardis and you know, you have a lot of people that, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's all family, like I said, and uh, everybody that does good. And I've, I like to, to help out the people that struggle as well. I like to consider myself sometimes, you know, somebody that a newer person, a rookie or somebody would look up to and, uh, you know, you try and help them out. So it's, it, it is a loaded question because there's way too many people to answer. Sure. Um, you know, it's just as long as you can keep that tight knit family going, um, you know, you're just going to have fun. Yeah. Um, kind of switching gears here, though. Uh, I kind of read on your profile earlier today, though, that you went to North Carolina for a year to work for Andy Hillenberg Racing School. You know, kind of describe that experience. Uh, that was that was a total 180. Um, so that was a lot of fun. We had a, basically the school had retired ARCA cars. Um, a whole pile of those, and we would work on those. We'd get them ready for schools. We were based uh, in Charlotte, just outside of Charlotte and Concord, um, really right pretty much across the street from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, so that was our home track. And, uh, you know, I've been – we did schools there in Kentucky. Um, we did Atlanta and some other things there. Um, and that was, that was fun. And I'm really glad I didn't – I did it wouldn't take it back um but just the the asphalt thing i didn't really i wanted to be on the dirt you know i had more fun doing that and uh you know i, I ended up just coming back and, and racing what i was doing really was i'd be down there for the week we'd have a school i remember coming back from kentucky speedway um it was after the school i drove back to home in Concord basically and I was in Kannapolis I stayed there and uh, the next day jumped on an early morning flight drove or flew up to Wheat Sport I got picked up at the Syracuse airport drove to uh, Wheat Sport raced with the Patriots and went back that Monday for work and you know I did that a few times we actually did that with Knoxville as well uh, took a couple of days off of the school flew out to Knoxville and uh, ended up crashing. <laughs> yeah. Ended up breaking my hand out there for that one. But uh, I went back to went back to work down to Andy's. And I just eventually it was just, you know what, I know this isn't really for me. I really want to be underneath the wing of a sprint car. So um, it was fun. It was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I didn't stick it out. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you know, that was your, I guess your first full-time job in racing though. Did you, 
Did you ever think though, that maybe, you know, when you first started out and you were having so much success early on though, that maybe you could do this full time, maybe, you know, catching an outlaw ride at some point or an ASCS ride, you know, was that at one point the dream? It was, I mean, who wouldn't want to be in the world of outlaws, you know, especially when you're, you know, you're coming up and it's, you know, you win the rookie of the year, then you win a championship and it's like, Oh, you know, you have stars in your eyes and you think you can go to the top of the world. Everybody wants to be there. Um, realistically it takes a lot to be there and then you go out to Knoxville and want to see how you compare to the best of the best in the country and you don't qualify and it's like well all right let's rethink this and we went out the following year to Knoxville and we qualified but we ran in the back and uh, it's like okay well now we're maybe we're getting somewhere you know we narrowed down from 140 sprint cars and we made the top 24 so uh, you know then you start building up that aspiration again of, oh, maybe I can go farther. Maybe I can go bigger. And um, again, it still takes, it takes a lot of money financially. It takes a lot of the, you got to know the right people. You got to hit all these, these big shows. You got to do something at Knoxville. You got to race at Eldora and win. You got to make a real big name for yourself because there's people out there like, you know, at that time, it was Jason Johnson was the main man on the ASCS tour how do you compete with that when you're racing at you know in the patriots and the ess up in the northeast and you only travel a couple times a year Mm -hmm. yeah and you know not only that but you know it's got to take a toll you know i mean you you know probably at one point though you were doing 60 to 70 races a year but you know to do 90 to 100 though that's got to basically take a toll not only like mentally but probably physically too sure yeah i mean it's that's a good workout right there. Yeah. You know, um, exhausting, mm-hmm. you know, and especially we, the outlaw guys, you know, they're, they're doing that, but they're also not wrenching on the car all the time. Sure. They're, you know, so, you know, back in the local level here, you don't really know anything else but to get out of work and work on the race car. And so you got to have all sorts of things set up. You got to have a crew, you got to have obviously owners and sponsors and, you got to have a somebody that's going to travel with you. And of course my father would love to, but he was running a, a business still is. And, uh, you know, you just, it, you know, reality sets in that, you know what, I really don't have the situation to run with the outlaws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how involved do you still stay here in the three sixties? You know, I see you at a track once or twice though, but you know, how up to date do you kind of keep up with the sport, even though you're not there every weekend? Oh, Facebook keeps me up to date pretty good. Um, obviously this year with COVID, I didn't, you know, there wasn't anything going on. So it was a good year to miss, but, um, you know, I, I keep up to date. I still watch all the races that I can, you know, everything that's on Facebook, I watch. And I still get into contact with some of the drivers and there's a lot of people that ask me for setup advice or driving advice or whatever. I answer a lot of questions and I help out whoever, really whoever wants it. I, have no secrets anymore so it doesn't really matter um you know i I actually was working on a deal with uh scott cruder and trey hoddock earlier this year before this virus hit um for running a car temporary you know just once in a while and uh, you know that obviously didn't work um and then we had some stuff going on at work that really probably would have slowed it down anyways but uh you know it was just i i like to say 
I like to stay involved. You know, I really enjoy the sport, obviously. Um, it's just a lot, it's a lot different looking at it, you know, watching the highlights of the races on Facebook than it is being there. Right. All right. You know, probably, you know, it's, it's no secret though. Probably your most proud win was when you won that Canadian sprint car nationals. And I think what's so amazing about it is how you won it, you know, you know, you know, coming from the very, very back to kind of winning that on the last lap and passing, you know, you know, watching your interview, you passed the entire field. They've won a race at some point, which is very rare, you know, to sometimes see that, but, you know, just kind of take us through that whole night though, you know, what that, you know, from beginning to end though, where you had to go through the last winner's race and then, and then starting at the very back and then ending up winning the whole thing. Yeah. That, that was surreal. <laughs> and it's something that's hard to, it's still hard to believe, you know, I, I love thinking about it all the time and talking about it, but uh, you know, when you start out fair and hot laps, and then you time trial absolutely horrible. And then you don't come out of your heat race. So then you got to go to the B. You missed the B. So you got to run that last chance qualifier. And you, I don't think I won that or whatever. I, yeah, you got to take the top. I think you have to. to yeah. Two of, right. Yeah. So I won that. And so you start so far back. And you have, when you have Steve Poirier and Parker Price Miller and Jason Barney and all these cars that are sitting in the top three rows. And it's like, well, I hope I get to 10. Um, that would be a good run. But I actually, you know, the car was going good and it seemed like the race was kind of going slow because I passed a lot of cars and there was still some laps left. And I happened to, I very vividly remember looking up at coming into one at the leaderboard and I saw the 51 was in fifth and I could see the four other cars that were in front of me and I didn't know how many laps were left. I didn't look at that, but I could see the cars. So I was like, all right, well, maybe there's a shot. And uh, things were just happened to work out, you know, and run in the middle of that track is very, very difficult to do. It takes a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of patience can't jump on the gas, you can't jump on the brake, everything's got to be very smooth, and uh, it just happened to work out the way I wanted it to. Yeah, that's great, you know, and, you know, you know, just like I said, 30 plus wins on the PST Tour, you know, and a handful wins at all other places, though, um, you know, you would say, how proud were you, though, of how successful you were, though, you know, post-racing career, you can look back, and you know, there's gonna be a lot of drivers that have a career probably even longer than yours, but they're not gonna have the success and the accomplishments that you had though. You know, just talk about what that means to you. It means a lot. Um, I, I like the fact that, you know, I feel I've been told anyways that, you know, you're one of the, the better ones in the Northeast. Well, you know, that's nice. That's a huge pat on the back you know, you're not the best. I know I'm not the best. I never was the best and never will be the best if I stuck with it. You know, there's still way, there's a lot of guys that are better than I am and always have been, always will be. So um, that still keeps you humble, you know, but I do like the fact that people come to me for advice, you know, that makes you feel like, hey, you know, 
maybe I was doing something right. I did get some wins and I have some respect of a lot of people. Um, so it's, it's humbling to know that there's a people that actually, you know, looked up to me. Now I'm just kind of old and washed out and <laughs> probably, you know, nobody wants me around anymore, but, um, you know, it's, it's nice to, to have, and I still have a, a good relationship. I still talk with like Jason Barney and, you know, some other people, Joe Tranka. Um, and it's, it's nice to still kind of be involved and Scott Cruder again, um, with their, you know, Scott with his setups and stuff. I know when he won the Canadian nationals, he was asking me some questions and then he thanked me for all his help. Um, so it's, it's nice to, be involved that way yeah well i guess we'll end it with that brian though really appreciate you taking the time though to for us to talk to you you know the last 25 minutes though and uh but i'm glad things are still going well for you yeah thanks i appreciate the offer here uh just want to say hi to everybody whoever's watching you know whoever's gonna watch um you know keep going and hopefully next year this 2021 season actually get some racing in so i can watch here on social media right 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 well, there you have it, folks, though. Uh, that's Brian Holland, though, uh, talking with us on uh, week number two of PSD Weekly.